we're also thinking about how to do work differently and digital transformation may be a, a weak way to say it. It's really about thinking new ways about doing work totally. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Jeff Tun, and you are listening to Status Go. This is the third and final episode in a series we derived from our webinar titled, Four CIOs Get Real About the Future of COVID-19 and IT. It was so well received, we've broken it into three digestible podcast episodes. The four IT leaders participating in the discussion are Fleming Meng, CIO at Human Good, Mandy Huth, Vice President of Cybersecurity at Kohler, Mike Heinlein, CIO at Indiana Public Retirement System, and Mark Grimsey, Vice President of IT at Robert Half. The three episodes in this series follow along chronologically. Episode one covers how things played out for the panelists, both professionally and personally, when COVID initially hit hard in the US back in March and April. Episode two dives into the immediate future. What does the return to work look like and how are they further adapting to the work from home model? This third episode expands into long-term changes and how the lessons of the past several months have altered long-term plans for these leaders, their teams, and their organizations. Listen now as our panelists tell you what lessons they've learned and how they're applying them to future plans. Well, I'd like to move to our, our next question. And we've been, we've been kind of looking at the near future I want to expand our horizon here a, a little bit and look at long-term changes. As leaders in technology, we're always looking or need to look two and three and four years down the road. How has the last three months changed your long-term plans because of what you've learned? Uh, so Fleming, I'd love to toss to you on that one. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Uh, yes, there are definitely lots of insights for us to plan for the future. I would say there's no doubt there are a few changes we definitely need to make as a long-term changes. One is when you speed up this cloud first, first uh, journey, right? That is, it was slow, speed up a little bit. I think we can now uh, definitely speed up this uh, cloud first, mobile first journey. The second is a uh, digital transformation. We're in the middle of that, and maybe the beginning of that depends on how you define that. But we also need to uh, speed up that. For example, things are relevant to us like uh, the online ordering for our customers, ordering service, ordering food, ordering support. And the other I talked about was the communication. The other is uh, like some clinical service on site, you know, how to supply some digital clinical service. And in our industry, uh, the healthcare industry, you know, telehealth is a topic. And uh, also as a labor intensive uh, industry or organization, you know, how to use some uh, advanced uh, workforce scheduling uh, system to address the labor uh, challenges. And uh, the other long-term change I will share with everybody is uh, we all agreed that uh, 
if we want to be the leading company in the industry, it, it, it cannot be realized through cost saving. You have to do plan the new revenue source, new product and service, all this kind of thing. So, so these are the few things that uh, we believe should be the long-term changes that we need to plan and we need to implement. Excellent. Mark, how, what are your thoughts on long-term changes and, and what, what has uh, the last three months taught you that maybe changed your vision of that? Well, as I mentioned before, um, you know, we had we had BCP and DR plans around an earthquake. Well, this is kind of more like a neutron bomb. The building is still there. You just can't have a lot of people in it. So you still have to worry about mail. And um, unfortunately, people still want checks printed. Um, so how are you going to do that with a limited amount of people in? So I think, as Fleming mentioned, digital transformation, um, we may not have put the priority very high on changing some of those paper items out because maybe the cost effectiveness ROI wasn't very high. Well, it's now got a lot higher. So we're, we're thinking about those types of things. But I think we're also thinking about how to do work differently and digital transformation may be a, a weak way to say it. It's really about thinking new ways about doing work totally. You know, back um, at the turn of the century, we went from steam motors to electric and the first they took uh, big steam motors and they ran all the equipment on it. And then later they had one electric motor that ran all the equipment and they realized that was very inefficient. You got to put electric motors everywhere. And Tesla did that with the car and changed it from one electric motor, uh, one big motor in the engine to four of them around the wheels. So we, I think, have to think about digital transformation and what is a totally new way to work and what, how should we think about things? Whether it's, you know, you mentioned this, uh, this meeting owl or whatever with Mike, but we have to think about, gee, is this the right way to think about things? You know, we're, we're personally thinking uh, at Robert Half about a new phone system in the field, and we're no longer thinking about it as a like-for-like -like replacement. We're thinking about it as, how do you really want it to work? And if the phone system, if the phone system wasn't necessarily in the way, because all of your previous work processes are because of how the phone system worked and you were limited by that. And so we have to take the kind of the training wheels off or whatever the guardrails and let people think a little bit wider. Um, so that's what I think is, is the big thing. Like, how do we have focus time? How do we make, you know, so we're thinking about things like, Maybe we should make the meetings 50 minutes instead of an hour. Um, um, uh, how do we have focused Fridays? And so we, people can, can do that. And I think a little bit about that is you have to be very clear on your roles and responsibilities because your meetings are probably a lot larger than they need to be because you want to be more inclusive rather than thinking about who do I really need to make this decision and be informed around that. So I want to jump on something Mark said, and this is my shameless security plug. Um, you know, the landscape <laughs> of people, the landscape of technology is changing. And maybe I say it because it's top of mind for me, but I think it's top of mind for a lot of people. You know, we talk about digitization and digital transformation and the way people are interacting. And I think, you know, whether you're cloud first, cloud forward, hybrid, multi-cloud, um, you know, take this opportunity to really think about in terms of long-term changes, how are you going to give people the right access to do their jobs when they need to without doing more than they need to? Um, and 
you know, identity and access management right now and provisioning and governance, I'm going to swing it into a positive here. The reason it's so important, because if you get provisioning right, then you make your associate experience so much better. And the reason this is important is because your associate landscape is about to change. If everybody is remote, then guess what? You have a much bigger group of people to pick from to hire. How are you going to onboard them? How are you going to offboard them? And identity is at the center of that. So, you know, a long-term change the color is, guess what? I just got a whole bunch more people and, and cities around the world um, because, because that adoption, that culture has shifted. And now I don't need you to ever come into an office. We just hired a, a director, never been in the office, right? And so how does their, how is their experience? And so think about identity. If, if, if CIOs are here are getting real, you got to be thinking about it and you got to start getting it right. And I would say adding on to that digital experience for the employee is, is our number one. Our CISO just started on Tuesday, never been in the office. Um, you know, never been in the office for interviewing, never been in the office to onboard. So yes, absolutely. And, and so the digital experience for the employee is now, because that's the only experience they have. That's right. So, so now it's time for my favorite slide in the whole deck because I just I just love these sheep. Um, <laughs> Are those New Zealand sheep? Uh, I think they might be. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I love to ask this question because I think uh, CIOs and CISOs get asked this all the time. What's keeping you up at night? So so Mike, what is keeping you up at night when you think about the future and that and that new normal that we're talking about here? Well, as I was thinking about this question, I was trying to, it, it sort of broke into two spaces. One was the personally and then more the professionally. I think for the personally, the thing I get concerned about is the impacts of what's going to happen with our later regional spikes of the virus, which we know will occur because our scientists, you know, and we've seen it from other pandemics over hundreds of years. We go back to 1918 and look at that one. And that was a more than a two-year cycle with three major spikes. Um but as the scientists work to develop the vaccines and improve the treatment options, what's going to happen? So that's sort of the, the personal side. Um, and how does that impact our staff, our service levels for our stakeholders? What's it do for our economic recovery for all of our organizations? One of the things I was thinking about, I'm listening to all this, or my peers here, and talking and thinking about our different verticals is you've got folks from the first responder health cares, you know, perspective, uh, Fleming, who's just trying to make sure his people can deliver you got others that fortunately, it sounds like none of us have been in the mode of, gee, they're trying to figure out if they got enough cash flow to make next week, um, which we know there's a lot of organizations that are dealing with that. Those pieces, that's sort of the personal side. But from the macro sense, I think I've had, I've heard a new term used as a pandemic resistant enterprise. And I've seen it in a couple articles. I've heard it on some, you know, blogs and things like that. And part of that is while we in IT know that we, we have to be even more experienced with our business continuity planning. We've talked about that today, about how do we get better with all that? What do we do? But I think this has a lot broader implications because as we've talked about it, you know, the moving to the cloud, to having so much of our, our uh, infrastructure be able to be delivered, it's actually worked in our advantage for, Inpers was one of the early adopters for a governmental, a quasi-governmental entity going into the cloud. We started our journey 10 years ago. Uh, and we've been fully in the cloud. I don't, I have no data center. I have, 
nothing. I have partners that deliver all of this to me in one manner or another. Um, but as we look at that, how do we think about it from, a, from this idea of this pandemic resistant enterprise? How do I look at those partners? How much is enough? This is almost like our security and privacy conversations with third parties. How much is enough? And I know this Mandy gets to deal with this as you're talking about it. How much do you have to go double check these people? Are they able to do it? But even in my case, as an institutional investment space, we, you know, we've got 35 billion of members' money and assets that we invest for them. We even have to start looking at it from the perspective of how do I vet that if I've got an organization, maybe it's a, a Kohler that we're gonna, you know, they need money and they want, you know, us to put 50 or $100 million into a company. How do I make sure that organization is going to be able to survive something in the future that they're not gonna just roll over and go belly up because of this? So there's ramifications at the macro level through all of the things we do in business. So. Those are some of the things that, are, you know, I'm sort of noodling at, at four in the morning if I happen to wake up. <laughs> How about some of the others? What, what are, what's keeping you awake at night? So if there's one thing, I would say it's uh, a security and, uh, and, uh, and a compliance. That's one thing. Of course, I, I'm answering professionally and not personally. <laughs> if there's another thing keep me up, up at night is a uh, Again, this uh, digital transformation like is somehow like a buzzword, and uh, you know everybody is expecting IT to play the magic and uh, to solve all the problems, and it became like every company became like uh, kind of Amazon. So how to manage uh, the expectation on digital transformation? So these are the two things uh, I would say keep me up uh, at night uh, professionally. So I think that. Um, what from a professional, you know, Mike, I, I, I totally get what you're thinking about and what's our future for personal impact on, on our, on the virus and, and what's going to happen. But from a, from a professional sense, I'm doing a lot of thinking about what's our strategy and I'm trying to spend this downtime. As Mandy mentioned, you know, you have a little bit of a downtime. You're thinking about projects that might be going a little slower and, and I'm trying to get those shovel ready. So that when the spigot comes back on and, and we're ready to spend a, a whole lot of money and we're ready to focus on a few things that we know what we want. Um, but I'm trying to think about, do we have the right strategy and tactics to get there? And so I think about um, one of your uh, podcasts, Jeff, and think about strategic foresight. So I think about where is the vision that I need to get in five years and then how do I walk that back to today to make sure that I'm going to get, be able to get there? And what worries me or keeps me up is, am I missing something in that strategic foresight? Am I not seeing something in the future that I should be that I cannot walk back to? And, and so I think that that's something that, that um, we all try to do as, as IT people. We all, I think, innately have that ability to start to think about systems a little bit farther out in the future. The real question in my mind is, are we seeing the full picture or is there some cloud there that you can't see? And so it's a little bit harder and, and that that's where I guess I don't wanna make the decision now that someone in 2025 says, who was the doofus that made the decision <laughs> that I have this legacy system that I'm straddled with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's what are you missing? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got a few minutes for some some audience questions, and they've been 
coming in throughout our conversation today. So I'm going to scroll through my cell phone here a little bit and find some of the some of the questions that I don't think some of them we answered as we were talking, but a couple of them I really want to pull out from here. And one is this probably applies to our current environment, but it could also apply going forward. Are any of you, do you have anything in place to measure employee morale? Yeah, we, we do, we do um, employee engagement surveys. We do that every six months. And um, we, you know, had one just before this started. Um, so it'll be in six months. It'll be interesting to see what people come back and say. Um, part of those things came out that maybe we weren't communicative enough. And so hopefully we're doing more communication now during this process. As Mandy said, you know, get a, uh, something out from the CEO as soon as you can. But I think it's also every layer down has to get that communication out. So uh, yeah, we do, we do surveys. Um, we use Glint for our engagement surveys and we love them. And, uh, uh, but it does take a little bit of management work to, to make sure you're up and to the right. Yeah, Mark, I think that's great. I, uh, at Kohler, we, we also use Glint. Um, really good at digging down into the, the specifics. Um, we, took a, we took a pulse survey at the beginning of COVID. And interestingly enough, it highlighted to everyone, um, maybe not at the beginning, maybe middle of the, what we were calling the temporary normal, right? Before the, the go forward. Um, and we had done a really great job of communicating. And after we got that initial thing out, they they said, hey, um, you could see that people that while we kind of hunkered down and were focused on trying to make things work, we forgot to continue to communicate. We thought we had given them everything they needed. And we kind of, they said, hey, there's some radio silence and people were worried, you know, are, are we coming back to work? Do I still have a job? I'm worried about my own safety. Are you going to require me to come back to work? So all of these much more personal questions was was this undercurrent of their work, and that that impacts again people's well-being. And so we had to take a step back, and you know, I'll, I'll give you just a really quick example. Based on that, I went into a meeting and I said, "Hey guys." I know I'm going to turn off my camera today. I'm going to show you one picture and then I'm going to turn off my camera because I'm going on a walking meeting and, you know, really modeling based on what people were saying, like, we need to model the behavior that we want people to feel allowed to do. I don't need you to sit at a ta kitchen table for eight hours, hurt your back and not be outside all day, right? If you're not leading the meeting, go for a walk. Listen in if you have the technology, right? I know that's not always capable, but um, got to keep a pulse on people's morale. And I'll add one other thing. My team, specific for my team, and I have a list if you're interested, um, for the past eight weeks, once a week, we do a weekly team stand-up, but the first 30 minutes is a game. Um, yesterday was, you know, what hobbies have you picked up um, since since the pandemic, but, you know, we did one where we told stories. Um, we had a week where we said, um, oh, we were translating, we were translating voices, right? So, of course, security checked, you know, we allowed a few games in that we checked and made sure there's one, how does Google autofill this, right? I forget what it's called, um, but I've got the list. And those 30 minutes, my team has come back and said, have been so meaningful because it goes back to that personal relationship. 
and they're getting to know their team better. So it's not all business and we care about them. I know I was a little long-winded, but people first. No, that's that's great. And that's a that's a great motto as well. People first. Uh, other responses to to that? Jeff, I think from my perspective, you know, Mark and Mandy's comments are spot on. Um, worrying about the people, it's again, having done this for a while, what really comes down to the technology is secondary, it's all the people. Um you know, Mark's comment about taking meetings to 50 minutes and, and uh, you know, the breadth of your meetings, how many people are invited and doing all that. We've been having conversations about that stuff for decades, trying to figure out how to get that right. Um, so it just, it's interesting to come into this, this situation. And once again, it comes up to be, it's more the people side, it's how engaged they are. It's how, how the messages are being delivered. We felt the same, uh, reactions that Mandy talked about with Kohler. Um, we had times where we, you know, our, our leadership team said, well, I really don't know anything new. So they really didn't want to come out with anything. And we finally put something out and got all of these reactions that said, oh, good, because we hadn't heard anything. Human nature is we have a tendency that they, you know, that we bore a vacuum. So they'll start making up stories when you're not giving them something, even if the story is, I got nothing to report right now. It's still the same as the last thing I told you, especially when we've been in this dynamic environment where stuff coming out of Washington, stuff coming out of our state capitals, you know, then coming down from, you know, senior leadership in an organization, you've got all these moving parts and everybody's sort of making it up as you go. And you've got those poor people sitting on the end that literally, as Mandy said, are they going to have a job next week? They, you know, they worry about that, let alone they're also being challenged are the three, uh, you know, kids from seven to 14 going to be in school and, you know, all those other challenges that they're having to face as an individual remembering that communications is the most important thing. But again, I'm showing my eye. So Mandy and I, we're, we're simpatico there. We got this part. Thanks for that, Mike. So we're, we're nearing the end of our time and I want, I want to kind of do a, almost a poll with our panelists here. So one final question and the answer is up, down or neutral. Uh, how do you see COVID-19 impacting your company's investment in uh, IT? Up, down, or neutral? So, uh, Mike, let me go back to you with that one. I would say that I'm, again, having heard all these uh, comments from my peers here, um, I am just so fortunate in that I'm a quasi-government organization. I really don't have to worry about a sales channel. I have 1,200 employers or sort of a captive audience. So I don't have to worry about that. Ours is going to be neutral. I think we may invest a little differently, um, but I think you know we're still somewhat staying the course. I mean, government entities are worried about uh, their cash flows, just like a lot of organizations. And our many of our employers are going to be very uh, cash scrapped potentially for a while, or maybe it's a new normal for many of them for local governments and that kind of thing. Um, so we have to remain aware of that, but I would say from our perspective, neutral. All right, Fleming. I would say uh, it's up. And uh, so our CEO published the three straight business strategies. And uh, actually, you know, for me, I was lucky. And, uh, you know, basically it, digital transformation is one of the three strategies uh, as part of the overall business strategy. 
And I see, definitely see the opportunity of the COVID-19, again, as the catalyst of uh, driving many uh, changes. So, so I'm optimistic and I think it's, it's up. Mandy. Yes, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a hybrid answer. The answer is up, absolutely up. But I think it is also differently, as Mike mentioned, right? So up and differently. Um, fortunately, Kohler, because of our move into smart home, was already um, investing pretty heavily in technology and experience. And um, so I don't think that's going to change. I think we will only continue to get investment. I think the biggest thing we, we really have to think about as leaders in our organizations, as influencers, is you have to take a good pandemic and use it to your favor. And so you need to find those pieces that really, really drove culture change and why that was so valuable to your company. If you can come up with those great contextual stories, I don't think anybody should have to say neutral or down, but we have to be great storytellers and directly connect it to the business value we brought during this. And I think you will, you will see, hopefully, um, less resistance as you move forward. Excellent. Thank you, Mark. How about you? So I definitely think we're up, um, and I would agree with Mike and Mandy that it's different. I would say that the key points is that obviously we're still driving toward the cloud, um, but I would think that we're spending a little bit more uh, money in our mid-office systems, specifically around those things that require a lot of touch and see if we can we can do that because I think touch even though it may not reach that ROI point it's it's really important from a physical distancing standpoint and then the last part is this digital experience around the employee um, yes we may never get to the point of we're a hundred percent remote but I don't believe we're going to be a hundred percent in the office and so I think we need to have this hybrid figured out whether it's collaboration, whether it's onboarding and identity and security, or whether it's just being able to find things quickly and searching and chatbots and self-service, I, I think the digital experience is really gonna be important for people. Excellent, thank you guys. Well, that's a wrap. If you are jumping in here at the end, definitely check out episodes one and two in this series. As always, thank you very much for listening and check out the show notes on intervision.com for more information. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.